Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg podcast, episode, episode. 459, a little steak on that one, as we are recording right after the Milwaukee Bucks destroy the Chicago Bulls, winning 116-100. to 100. Game was a lot more of a blowout than the score says. We'll talk Bucks. we'll talk a little bit about the Brewers, we'll talk NFL Draft. Mitch might be here for the whole thing. He might just be here for the Bucks. We don't know how long we'll have him. Uh, but let's welcome in Mitch Mitch Ross, aka Mitch Ross MKE, on Twitter and Instagram. What's going on, pal? Not much. Another another day in the life. Uh, Bucks moving on. Quick um, dismantling here. Um, still some stuff to talk about from this game, and you know, plenty to talk about going forward. As we look ahead to the Celtics series, we'll see for sure. Maybe we'll we'll have that information when that series will start as we tape here in the next coming minutes. Um, but yeah, good to see them take care of business. And yeah, I don't know if you want to dive right into it or, yeah. or what else we got. But um, yeah, no, that I mean that's that that that's all true, right? Like they basically t- took Chicago's heart from the start. Chicago, I don't even know had heart like. Brian Anderson and Stan Van Gundy, I thought, did a good job of kind of subtly ripping Chicago for kind of looking like a team that didn't really want to be there. I understand you didn't have Zach Levine, you didn't have Alex Caruso, I get it. But as they pointed out, like they were in Toronto and Nick Nurse was talking about the 2004 Boston Red Sox, which makes me feel a lot different about Toronto. But still, like, it, it's just a difference in philosophy, right? Billy Donovan's basically was fall and pray defense and that's all they were doing. And they were shooting a bunch of threes and were like, basically if we have an outlier game, maybe we could beat the box. That was pretty much yeah. their strategy. And it was an embarrassing one. And I hope Billy Donovan gets ripped. I don't know if a lot of people will, I didn't see a lot of noise on it, but it was pretty kind of annoying as a fan. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I just – it seemed like it, I tweeted it out. It kind of got some run, like a shitty mid-major playing like a blue blood. That's kind of how it felt with Billy Donovan's approach was. Yeah, that's a pretty decent comparison. Um, you know, look, I mean, he really didn't have another option with how shorthanded they were. Um, and frankly, that game plan may have been employed regardless of, you know, if Caruso and Levine were in there. I mean – there was a lot of that throughout the series um, and any Bucks game you watch the opponent, that's kind of the only way to defend Giannis. And I guess when your backs are against the wall, like the Bulls were, um, you don't really have a choice. Um, and, you know, they were, the Bucks were just letting them shoot and the Bulls didn't have any shooters on the court at all. So this is what you get. Now I don't know what the what the final numbers were for the Bulls from three point range, but it they shot took a franchise. Re- threes. Yeah, they took a franchise record of in threes. Um, they they had surpassed that with like nine minutes to go in the game. Um, yeah, and, and and really, you know, they started to wake up there in the second quarter a little bit offensively. There were a couple times in the game where it got a little bit closer than it should needed to. Um, but the Bucks answered as they sh- as they should and as as they will. I mean, good to see Pat Connaughton get going. He was big yeah. in the 
late third quarter there to sort of put the game back out of reach after the Bulls got it down to 11, which, you know, as you said, I think in the, in the start, like, you know, it, it didn't even feel that close. Um, a 16 point win felt more like a 26 point win. Um, but they took care of business like they were supposed to. And, uh, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll see, you know, Giannis was able to have a fantastic game as usual came out mostly healthy from what we can tell he landed weird on his wrist in the first quarter i think yeah um, it was added to the first and, quarter it was right at the end of yeah. the first quarter but for the most part they they seem healthy i i think there's you know uh i tweeted out myself since we're gonna go rehash our tweets oh i only tweeted twice in the game i think and one of them was just like the fact that this game is not going to build any good habits heading into the Boston series just because they don't have to do anything to win this game. And, 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 and they didn't really. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, Drew, so, Drew. Let, so can I, I push back on that a little bit. Like I, I hear what you're saying, but I think they're going to be pillar. They pay attention to the media, whether they say they do or they don't. Everybody's yeah. talking about this Boston team like they're a fucking iconic basketball team. And right. they hear it. They will hear that noise. Everybody is throwing, you know, a celebration, a parade, because they swept the Brooklyn Nets and they were like, oh, they went after it and all of this other shit. And it's like, this Brooklyn team wasn't that good. The Bucs didn't duck Brooklyn. The Bucs looked at it and said, we don't want to try to get any of our guys injured. And the fact that people keep missing this point that Milwaukee had three games in their last four games, Luca gets hurt that day. Luca doesn't play for the first two games of that series. And, you know, the jazz, because the jazz are a poverty franchise, they're able to be all right. It's like, you know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. I don't, I think the Bucks are going to come out motivated. Now we know they like to kind of field teams out in game one. It's kind of a rope-a-dope, if you will, from the Bucks. They're really not trying to show, I think, all of their cards. But I do think – I do wonder if the motivation is going to be there. So I, I disagree. I hear what you're saying. But I just think this is not your typical uh, second-round matchup. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying they, they won't lock it back on um, the next series because we saw last year that they're able to – I don't want to say flip a switch, but yeah, you're right. They, they kind of feel out, play a little possum, play vanilla to use a football term uh, in, in, the, in game one and sometimes game two. And I guess don't have a problem with digging themselves a hole, um, which drives me up the wall. But um, what are you going to do? I mean, as long as, right. as, long as they're ab able to respond and they, they were in this series, but I mean, would have liked to see a little better performance from Drew Holiday. In this yeah. game, um, I guess really that's the biggest complaint. Um, you know, again, they they didn't really need him to be to be perfect, but Drew's going to have to be going to have to be better against Boston, especially yeah. without middle. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a weird thing because his PR is plus seventeen, right? But he missed ten shots. He almost missed every three he took. He had six turnovers. Did have nine assists. Like. So it's yeah. an interesting that is PR. I mean, I, I think that I don't understand plus minus that it's actually plus minus, excuse me. Uh, I don't think I understand it as well. I'm sure 
it equates like how well you play in terms of like winning the game and it there's other factors but yeah you're right holiday's gonna have to isn't, play well sim, isn't plus minus is simply how many how much your team outscores the other team when while you're on the court oh is it oh i didn't know that yeah i, I learned pretty, pretty simple yeah i probably shouldn't admit that i have a basketball i talk about basketball every day but that's that's okay um, I, I'm sure I knew that and I'm but sure it, I just, it, it can be, that. it can be a, it can be a misleading stat. That's right. Oh, I yeah, think 100%. that's, that's, that's where the debate comes on that. Right. That's why it's such a controversial stat because right, it's right. not always going to be, you know, it's not always going to pass the eye test. Like you can, you, you have guys that can have a negative plus minus, but you know, impact the game or, or vice versa. So, I mean, that's why it's kind of a debatable stat. Yeah, I mean, the holiday angle for the play, he could be a real factor. You're right. He needs to be good in the series against Boston. But there's a lot of ample opportunity. Marcus Smart, the quote-unquote defender, defensive player of the year. Um, you know, I don't know if Marcus Smart can keep up with Drew Holiday in a full, a full 35, 40-minute game. Like, Marcus Smart, that to me, is not a guy who I look at as lateral quick. I just don't. Um, and I think Marcus Smart kind of, it's a sum of all parts. I think Jalen Brown's a really good defender. I think Jason Tatum's a very good defender. So I think Smart kind of gets bailed out by that. So I'm going to be curious to see how, how Holiday is able to get to the basket. Like Warren Dragic had some, you know, pretty decent stat lines and he's washed beyond belief, right? And Warren, Warren Dragic was able to, you know, get to the lane and, and make some things happen for the Nets in a couple of those games. So, like, it wouldn't shock me if Holiday ends up having a big series. And the same same goes for Giannis. And I just – I guess how much – like, how much stock do you put into Boston's run and just what they've been doing defensively? Like, do you put a lot of stock in it? Do you put, like, let's just say a – it's like – I guess I'll let you, I'll just ask you the question. Like, what do you think of it in terms of that, that sort of premise? Boston's overall defensive. Well, I mean, they're, I think Simmons pointed this out in their, in their Monday podcast with Priscilla about how Boston just, they don't have that guy you can hunt on defense anymore. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. they have in years past with Kemba and earlier this year with like Dennis Schroeder on the court. I mean, they, they basically, they can run like an eight man rotation. That's what they've done of all, you know, plus defenders that you, you can't take advantage of anybody on the court, you know, and it, it's kind of amazing that like one weak spot can sort of kill you. I think, especially on the perimeter, because you can't, you can't hide the, the perimeter defenders. And that's why Drew Holiday is so important to what the Bucks do and, and have done because he's the first line of defense. And they're able to have a pillar in, in Brooke and then uh, like the ultimate rover in Giannis. Um, and, you know, Boston kind of has that too now where it's Marcus Smart is the full-time point guard um, and Horford kind of down low. And then Robert Williams is able to play kind of off the, you know, the weak side helper or whatever they call it. I'm trying to sound like a, like yeah. a basketball nerd here, no, but no, no, I mean, no, it's, it's, fine. it's, it's honestly, it's actually pretty, pretty similar to what the Bucks have. Sure. Defensively, if you think about it. But let me ask you, like, I, I would look at Boston's defense and yes, they are good, but aren't the Bucks the only team that can kind of hunt Al Horford? 
Because haven't we seen this before with Al Horford? Al True. Horford can't guard Giannis. And yeah. Al Horford, I think, can handle Bam Adebayo. I think he can handle Joel Embiid. I think he can handle Pascal Siakam. He can't handle Giannis. He just can't. Yeah, I mean, we, we, they're they're going to have they're going to have problems. I, I think Boston is going to have. I mean, Brooklyn has zero interior. Yes. Um, forces, if you will, zero interior presence. On, on the on the offensive side and frankly on the defensive end as well so i mean it's going to be different i mean it's going to be and i hope that you know these celtics people and fans and media and whoever um kind of think about that because Giannis is going to keep coming um, yeah. he hasn't taken a ton of threes in the playoffs which i feel like is as good as he was good i mean good for him by his three-point standards in the, in the regular season he sort of stepped away. He's taken one or two to keep the defense sort of honest uh, and then just gone right back to attacking. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a different challenge for Boston. Uh, unfortunately, the Bucks haven't really faced Boston uh, in this, you know, sort of new, I guess, in Boston's run, other than right at the end of the season when Boston decided to duck the Bucks, which people forgot about pretty quickly. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. That so that game was – Boston had a, a out of body shooting experience uh, in that game to 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 keep it closer than it probably was or probably should have been in that you know third to last game or whatever that was for the Bucks. But um, you know it would have really been nice to have seen what it would have looked like uh, at a full strength Boston with you know their their team rolling like it was. Um, I don't know if the Bucks would have won that. It would have been a great game, but yeah, I, I would have. We'll, we'll have to wait until game one. Right, exactly. We're going to see it in game one. Um, more more kind of questions for you as we kind of start to, you know, peel the onion back of this series. Um, do you, you called, you deserve credit. Now, I'm sure there are other people who talked about this, but we really, if we were on our A-game or if this was my actual job, I would have had the clip of you basically explaining why the Bucks should go with Bobby Portis in the starting lineup. And you were all over that. You nailed that. So now you have you've had success with Bobby. This is a different team with a you know a legit you know small forward in Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, whichever one you want to call the small forward. Is that lineup going to be the same, or do you think the Bucks do something different with that starting five? Hmm. I think they probably stick with it for now. Yeah. Um, just because, again, feeling out in game one, getting that process going for the series. Um, because I, I think you can kind of hide Bobby against Robert Williams, who is not a skilled player at all. Um, and uh, Lopez on Horford is fine, I think. And, well, but the pick and pop might be a, a big issue Yeah, at, at, at some points in that series. Um Giannis on Tatum, I guess, if he wants to take that challenge. If Bud wants to, it's going to have to be. Um, Matthews on Jalen Brown, I guess. Um, that maybe have to be looked at at some point. But also, uh, I would imagine they go less. I, I imagine they go less on. They yeah, go, they go less on on Jason Tatum, and then they put Jalen Brown. With Giannis goes on Jalen Brown, and it, I'm sure it's a rover. Really? Kind of how it'll, yeah, because I I just uh, think. 
I think Jalen Brown is not as I think Giannis, he does more inside. I don't, I don't worry about, I think that there's less energy exerted with Jalen Brown than there is, um, than there is Jason Tatum. And yeah. also too, that's a great call about the Portis Robert Williams thing. The other thing about Robert Williams is he's not, he's not entirely healthy right now. And they're about the same, they're about the same height. Like Robert Williams is only six, nine. He gets a lot of his blocking abilities because he has a long ass wingspan. It's, his wingspan gets up to seven, six, um, but they're the same height. So it's not like this is a massive disadvantage for, for the Bucks. So yeah, I, I agree. I think they go the same and, if it doesn't work out and they need to switch off to something, I I would imagine they would look at Grayson Allen. Um, but then again, the defense for Grayson, I don't know. Um, that that leads a lot of questions. They did have Pat in the starting lineup last year um, when I think when Giannis went down, right? Is that correct? I don't. Re- I think Bobby was in there. Oh, okay, right? I'll have to check that. I'm gonna check it right now. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think you could do something like that and and kind of figure out and rotate these guys in. Um, I don't expect this to be a Serge Ibaka series. I don't think the Bucks will play that card. Um, I'd be surprised. The other question I had for you was with the Bucks taking the three seed, and that will be a much ballyhooed story. Um, it'll be talked about a lot, especially early, especially if the Bucks go down 2-0. Do you think the Bucs like playing on the road more than they like playing at home? Because I, I, I'm like, I've just kind of thought it, about it, this. Like, I it seems like kind, it sometimes, right? Like, they kind of like being the assholes. They kind of like getting booed. They kind of like the counting. They like, like, they relish playing in Atlanta. They enjoyed playing in Phoenix. Like. The first couple of games in Phoenix, yeah, the Bucks were out of their element. But in game five, they were as cool as a cucumber. They understood what they needed to do. And and Brooklyn, again, game seven, knew what you needed to do. And I think, like, ever since that game seven and maybe the game five against Phoenix, like, the Bulls, that sort of propelled it. Now the whole boo thing and everything that's going on, that's like a playoff bit, if you will. And I don't know. I think that they're going to relish in the Boston crowds. It's going to be loud. We know how the Celtics have a great home court advantage and they yep. have a great crowd, but you can still win there. Like it's not like the Bucks can't win there. And I think they're going to really enjoy, you know, playing in front of the Boston faithful. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, when you think about it, you're right. I, I agree with most of what you said. It's just, uh, you know, I, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day. Um, the home court advantage, and it, it looks like we do have the schedule uh, for this series, um, at oh. least the days. Okay. And an interesting, an interesting thing. So, so game one is Sunday at noon. Mm-hmm. Um, Tuesday will be game two. Okay. Then Saturday, game three, back in Milwaukee. So there's three days off. Fuck me. Um, um, okay. That 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 puts you at. What that'll be? Well, Middleton will be reevaluated on uh, next Wednesday, right? Week mm-hmm. from week from next week. So I don't know. Maybe if things go go well, he could he could return in one of those games back back here. Um, that's that's interesting for sure. Um, 
very, yeah. very, very interesting. Um, yeah, three days off between game two and game three is it, Eric Dame already calling it a wild schedule. Um, mm-hmm. This puts me the ass for me is completely in the jackpot now because I have a party Saturday night and uh, and I don't know. That's a Saturday night game because it's ABC. There, that's a seven thirty. That's gonna be so awesome, dude. That's like the Broadhouse. That's how we like. That's the, special. Oh my god! I we're the PR machine is going to be working its ass off. Let's just say, <laughs> <laughs> I I need start times, and then it goes full PR machine to my wife. Like, hey. Could I come for the first hour? Could we? Could I come early? Could we? You know, I. You can stay. I'll just go watch the Bucks. Like, man. And on top of that, I will be in Mexico for the uh, game four and five. So that's. I mean, this is this is a tough series for your boy. You have a lot more plans. I said it to our Uber or Lyft driver Augustus, like. Last year with COVID, you had none of this shit to worry about. You just went right. out, wore your mask, and that was fine. Now I got to actually, I actually have plans. I actually have a life. And uh, yeah, yeah we'll, uh, we're going to have to figure that out. Well, and here again, that's, that's the, the large complaint about why, you know, uh, NBA playoffs, you know, I, I don't want to say why the ratings aren't as high as they could be, but it's just the summer people, people do more things. And, um, you know, they're not sitting at home like they are in January on Sundays to watch to watch NFL playoffs and stuff like that. So, right. yeah, it's, and, a, and, it's a constant struggle. And I will also add this, like, there is no reason they, the Bucks shouldn't be playing game three on Thursday night. Like, that game should be Thursday night. Game four should be Saturday. Game five should be Monday. And it's because they want game seven for Sunday. They want the yeah. game sevens to be Sunday and Saturday. And, and so, and this will be a big deal in terms of a premier event because Boston is a very public team and Giannis Antetokounmpo's popularity is growing. So this is a, this is likely the biggest series out of the four, would you say? Or would I think you... Giannis is, I think Giannis's popularity is, is more than growing. Uh, you think, think it's, it's skyrocketing? Uh, I think it's fully grown. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I I think I do I think mean, there are still people who this are isn't like 2019. No, no, I hear you, but I'm saying like the very casual fans who are still clinging on to LeBron and clinging on to KD, I think they have not accepted the fact that Giannis is the best player in the NBA yet. And I I don't know if they're making it out of their day to watch Giannis. I hope they are, but are are, are they? I don't know. And maybe I'm just being a small town guy here. And, and having a Badger basketball mentality, which if I am, you can tell me that and I'll, I'll redact what I said. No, I, 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 te- I think I can agree with some of that, but I mean, you know, it's more it's, than growing. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's grown. I guess the, he has a large fan base. Yeah. He has a large fan base who wants to watch him play. And let's be real, Miami, Toronto will do nothing in terms of an excitement if that is what happens. Wow, Miami, you call them Toronto already? I no, no, no. 
But if it's Miami Philly, I still don't think the excitement is there. I know that Harden and Embiid draw eyeballs, but it won't be won't be that impactful of a series. Phoenix Dallas, if it's that, I think would be a big deal, but not to this level at all. Memphis Golden State would be the big one on the West Coast, even though I think that will be a sweep or a five game winner for Golden State. Um, Because I, Memphis is fraudulent. Memphis should have lost that series. Um, And they, they just kind of have enough with John, the boys to figure it out late. And, and Minnesota is just too young and they are, unfortunately their inexperience shows more than Memphis is at the, at the end of games. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I agree with you. I think Memphis has not been very impressive. Um, And that could be a Taylor Jenkins thing. Um, doing his best butt impression where you have to you have to get clowned for a few years before you finally figure it out and wake up and uh and get it done but yeah memphis memphis should make it out of that series but it'll be it'll be quick um if if toronto and miami yeah that's for whatever reason like miami has a pretty good fan base and are fairly popular around the country but they're not really moving. They're not super sexy either. They're um, outside of what happened with Jimmy Butler on the bench a couple of weeks ago. I mean, they've been pretty, pretty drama free. And, um, you know, Philly, I guess, has a ton of drama just because their superstars are softer than Charmin. Um, and there's always something to talk about there. But um, yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it's with, with the Bucks and, and the Celtics, everybody's looking at this as, kind of like last year again with, with the Bucks against Brooklyn. Like, whoever wins this series is, is going to be the favorite to win the championship. Um, now, Golden State's getting a lot of love, um, you know, as they probably should, but not to get ahead of ourselves, but if it were to be Bucks and Warriors in the finals, I think uh, Golden State would also see an issue with Giannis defending oh, totally. him. And, um, but, you know, the – the casuals won't really necessarily see that until, uh, no. until so, it's presented. So we, so we could have an explanation on why there's a three-day gap. It's because of a little thing we like to call Hogfest here in the city of Milwaukee. Um, there's a concert on Friday. God knows why we're planning fucking concerts in the middle of a Bucks playoff run. I have no idea. I would love to ask what we're doing here. Um, because it'll be Godsmack, Mitch, three days grace, and asking Alexandria um, Friday night <laughs> at the Five Surf Forum, and not your Milwaukee Bucks. What the fuck? Yeah, and that's going to rub you the wrong way, but uh, you know that uh, they'd rather have a game on Saturday than on Friday. Oh, I, look, I, I, it screws me. I, the I screwed myself. I, it's on me, like, like – I'm fine. I think Saturday's awesome. I knew it was going to happen. I knew I was going to get fucked. I, you know, at some point, you know, I put myself into more situations recently where I have to manage my life around sports. And I have a wife who is pretty understanding, but there are those commentaries of life doesn't revolve around sports. I gently push back on that because when there's a will, there's a way. You know, it might be something where if the Bucks, my best hope 
the party starts at 6.30. My best hope is that it's a 7.30 game. I can be there till 8 and then bust my ass to Broadhouse for the second quarter and on. And I'm sure third, it's at third space, so I'm sure they'll have the game on. But I just, I just want to be with my people. That's more, that's more what it's all about. I can't, you know, I can't go. I need to go to war with my guys. I can't, I can't be just sitting on the sidelines. I need to be, need to be on the battle lines. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Especially Absolutely. going, especially so, going to Mexico the next next week. You know, it's it's tough. It's hard out here. Yeah, so the Sunday the Sunday game is confirmed this this week. So yeah, you know where you can find my ass. Yeah, we'll see you at the Broadhouse. Bloody's at Bloody Brunch and Bloody's at the uh, Broadhouse. We'll we'll be there. Um, you know, it'll we're gonna get up early, gonna go over there and watch the game. It should be a great time. Uh, can't wait. And yeah, it's it's gonna be an awesome series, man. And you know, I do think these are the two best teams. I think we're again. I did the playoff power rankings on Monday's Daily Tap, and I just said it's basically 2021 all over again. We're we're the two best teams, and this is the NBA Finals. And I, I what do you think of that take? Do you agree with that? I guess you agree with that take. Um, two best teams left in the league. Uh, yeah, I mean, probably. I was just gonna say that I don't know if Boston really scares me that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's gonna be a bit of a grinder. Uh, oh yeah, but I, I, I think I got Bucks and six. Yeah, I think Bucks and six is gonna happen. Would you? Would it surprise you if the Bucks won in five? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, don't, I don't see. I mean, I think I, I am curious. I will say this: I am curious to see how Emma Udoka does. In big game, in this, this is a little bit different than facing Steve Nash. Like, Bud, for all the shit Bud gets, A, Bud knows how to close out series. He's now, I think, 11 for 11 in closeout games, which is unbelievable. That spans, that's yeah. past Milwaukee. That's now Atlanta and Milwaukee. Giannis, Nick Wright had a great tweet um, uh, today where he's like, elimination game, Giannis has been on a different level since his one true playoff failure versus the heat in 2020 guy is one of one right now. Um, yeah. And I, I think when Giannis, when they smell blood in the water, it's kind of over and we've seen this before. And I, I think the bucks aren't going to be scared and the bucks aren't going to flinch. And if they're down 2 0, I don't, I think we all have to collectively not lose our shit. And it's going to be hard. I saw, I think Shafty had a tweet about that. Like, can you guys promise not to melt down after a 2-0 for down 2-0? Or I think said <laughs> when we're when we're down 2-0. And there was, there was a lot of different responses. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, I think we're, we're growing with this team and it's going to get more fun as the, as the playoffs progress. And yeah, I, I'm not that scared of Boston either, Mitch. I think, I've said it before. If you're scared, go to church and yeah, Boston will be a good foe and it's going to be fun. And there could be a real potential rivalry with Giannis and Jason Tatum. Like that could be a legitimate rivalry for the next five to 10 years. If, you know, things work out the way, the way that I think it might in the Eastern conference. Yeah. And I like our chances in that. Yeah, I do too. I, I like our chances against anybody, man. Giannis is uh, 
Giannis is going to be a tough beast to bring down. And uh, hopefully we hopefully we don't see a lot of flops from the Celtics, but we will. Marcus Smart's going to drive me crazy. I'm going to be right. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be right. I'll probably call Marcus Smart a cocksucker before the third quarter's over on, on Sunday. Oh, um, third possession. <laughs> he he'll he's easily the one that will give you the most like gut pain, right? Um, versus someone like Peyton Pritchard's another guy who I can't stand. Tice, I'll feel great every time touch Tice touches the ball. If we get beat by Daniel Tice, life moves on. I'm not gonna not gonna cry about that. Yeah, no smart's gonna be a little bitch and yeah, Peyton Pritchard maybe. Um, Derek White kind of pisses me off oh, because yeah. uh, he just hit so many fucking threes in that game, and he's not a shooter, so that really bothered me. Um, but you know, he's he's a solid enough player. He's just not very athletic or anything. You know, it's kind of amazing that a guy who's a essentially a D two basketball player uh, is has carved out such a nice career for himself. So. Good on him. I don't want to start the shit talking already, but um, <laughs> I guess it's too late. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm sure we'll have a lot more as the series goes on. We'll figure out what we're going to do in the week when I'm gone. Um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, maybe we'll go on hiatus. Maybe I'll just tape stuff from, from Mexico. I don't know. I have no idea what the TV situation will be. Um, I'll, when there's a will, there's a way, though. You, you can bet your ass on that. Um, are you going to hang out with us to talk Brewers in the draft, or are you uh, you going to depart on us? Uh, might as well hang around. <laughs> don't sound too don't sound too disappointed. Don't sound too bummed out. Um, the Brewers. I mean, I, I'll do Brewers ahead. for sure. Um, as we have a production meeting here, but I mean, yeah, I mean, I'll do Brewers for sure. Okay, just because um, they. Uh, Keep winning, They're man. rolling, maybe. They're rolling. 12 and 7. Um, they're going to finish out April easily, probably above 500, right? Because they only have, let's see, play 12 and nine, 12 and 8, 12 and 9. Yeah, they'll at least finish 12 and 10. If they were to lose their next three games, they've beat the Pirates now five straight times. Uh, it was a pitcher's duel, um, and then the Brewers were able to get some runs late um, in a game that likely not many people watched. But they were able to get it done. Josh Hader closed the door for his 10th save. Um, I think now we're almost a month in. Are you, are there any guys right now where you're like, I'm, I'm pushing a panic button on this guy or are you kind of like still it's early and I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about anybody. Uh, it's, it's still early. Um, it wasn't great to see Christian Yelich go over on uh, Tuesday night as the only guy in a 12 run explosion to not, to not even, uh, get a hit. That's a little, little frustrating, especially considering how much fire he's been under so far this year. And I know it's been a little, it's looked a little better. Um, and that's typically in baseball. What happens is it's got to look good before it, you know, the, the production actually comes back. So I don't know. I think, for the most part, people want to bitch about Yelich and you know, oh yeah, it's he's the fact, new factor the, the contract new, into he's it. He's the new Ryan Braun. I mean, he's the new Ryan Braun. It's exactly the same playbook that everybody ran with Ryan Braun, except there isn't the steroids angle. 
but it's the exact same playbook. And it's like, unless you are Giannis, no, nobody can be happy. And Giannis at some point will get eat unless he just wins every championship going forward. But like Aaron, this is the same playbook with Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, he's the face of the franchise. And unfortunately he's not delivering as the face of the franchise. And you do wonder if Yelich is maybe going to relinquish that, right? Like when, when is it Corbin Burns? Is, will, will you know, is it already? I don't know. I mean, you see what Corbin did on Monday night and we had offers to go to that game. I, I didn't necessarily have the time to do it because of work, but like, was there a part of you that was kind of jealous that, or not jealous, but like, like, man, I wish I was able to go and watch like Burns strike out 13 and nearly seven innings. Well, it would have been, would have been kind of cool to do, um, right. but you know, there'll be other opportunities for oh, sure. After that. I mean, I, I mean, Burns is looking like another special year for him and they're right. already going. Do you so think there'll be, there'll be other opportunities. Do you think he's a face of face of what the Brewers are doing? Or do you think that we're like a year out from well, that? Kind, and it, kind of, honestly, kind of. Yeah. Because I mean, their pitching is, is, is the strong suit, which is a rare thing to say as a Brewer fan. And, you know, he's, he's been a stud so far and is looking like, you know, he's kind of, cause he had, so 2019 was the, was the disaster year. Right. And that was when he went to the pitching lab and all that after, after having an awful start to the year and um, was more or less shut down and came back in, in 2020 in the short season. And it was kind of like, okay. And then he carried it into 2021, won the Cy Young, and now he's building even seems to be building even further off of that. So, I mean, kind of in a way, he kind of is the face of the team at this point. I mean, just because of of how dominant he's been, a guy who's performing up to expectations so far, which a lot of guys really haven't so far. No, you build build a compelling case. I I, I do. And I think Burns is aided and the – Brewers offense is not aided by this. I, I don't know what the uh, the acronym for aided would be. Disabled, I guess, would be right. Um, is that the fact that pitchers have a jump start this year? Whether I don't really think the ball is that much of a big deal. Um, I think it's an issue, but I think it really comes down to that short spring training, and they're able to yeah. you know get it on these guys. I think the other part of it is. The weather has the weather. been dog yes. shit. Has been dog shit across baseball. It's not just here. Like I was in gloves and a hat today walking my dog. Like that's right. pathetic. I mean, it's fucking. I have my heat on. That's gross. Like I should that those two things should not be happening in late April. They just shouldn't. And but yeah. I, that so I do think that that has helped Burns kind of elevate himself and. I, I think you're right. I think every time it's a Burns day, every five days, you're kind of expecting dominance and you're expecting the Brewers to win. And I don't know if you could have said that about Brandon Woodruff. I don't, you definitely couldn't have said that about Freddie Peralta um, and the other guys. And, you know, the one guy who I think's having Eric Lauer. Yeah. Right. Like Eric Lauer has been incredible. And I don't know if I'm ready to, I said Eric Lauer is a legitimate three pitcher. Like, I don't think he's at like near ace, but 
I mean, you keep striking out 10 guys a game and where I'm going to start talking, talking about you is that that Phillies performance, man, was so good, like a little behind the curtains. And I know people probably don't want to hear about how I bet and things like that. But one of the things I look at a lot when guys are facing lefty or when teams are facing lefties is how what's their OPS against lefties? Because I feel like that's a good indication of if they hit lefties or not. And I stayed away from that game because the Phillies are the best team against the OPS against left-handers. They have the highest OPS in baseball. And Eric Lauer completely shut them down and had 13 strikeouts. And that's incredible. And then you have Aaron Ashby who pitched tonight, who's right on everybody's ass. Who's like, all right, if one of you fucks up, I'm there. Now he's walking a lot of guys, right? He had five walks tonight. The only allowed to hit struck out six. Like as they just got to work on those walks and that'll come with time. I'm not, I'm not worried about a, a young pitcher struggling with walks. That's it might bite us in the ass later, but I, I think it'll, it'll round in form as the year goes on. Yeah. I guess just overall, like I, I would like to see them before I make a real assessment um, on how the season's going. Kind of, I'm looking at the schedule like next month. I'd like to see them in like consecutive series against, you know, playoff teams mm-hmm. or expected playoff teams. Like uh, the week before Memorial Day, they, they go to San Diego and then to St. Louis. Um, I mean, that's going to be a litmus test, you know, um, because really, you know, it's been a lot of Pirates, uh, Orioles mixed in. It's Cubs again this weekend who, you know, I don't know really what to make of them. They don't look like, they, they're about what we thought they'd be, right? Like, they're going to look yeah. good some days and and then look like shit in the next series. Yeah. Um, but I, I just maybe consecutive series. If they can win consecutive series against – or even win a, a series against an expected playoff team, um, I'd feel a lot better. Because 12-7 and is nice, but when you consider the comp- competition, you'd maybe like to squeeze one or two more out of there. And, you know, they had the weird San Francisco game, which you kind of blew – and um but that's such a weird like to play a one-off game like that is kind of dumb and not not baseball but i I digress well do what you gotta do well couple couple things on that game you're right they blew that game number one those fans should be tarred and feathered like those fans should not be allowed back in the stadium i don't know if you're watching the game not really i mean I, i i watched a little on my phone i saw yeah so uh, the reincarnation of Luis Gonzalez hit one like to the moon. So is that his kid? Is that his kid? Is that his kid? I don't know. I'll look Good that question. Up. Um. So, anyways, yeah. So I'll set it up. They're up one, and these fans are just fucking giving it to Jock Peterson, and I'm like, Jock Peterson has owned our ass. If there's one guy who's been awesome against the Brewers, who is maybe this generation's Jay Bruce, it's been Jock Peterson. And sure as shit, Jock Peterson hits just a fucking piss missile and calls them fucking pussies, which they deserve. And these fans should never be allowed back in American Family Field. Like, point blank, know your opponent. Like, you can do that to uh, Brian Reynolds. He kills the Brewers too, but still. Like, I don't worry about Brian Reynolds as much. Or you can do it to 
you wouldn't do it to Vogelbach. I'm trying to think of other random guys. You could do it to Willie Contreras, right? Um, but not to fucking Jack Peterson, man. No way. Luis Gonzalez not related to uh, the no, not. baseball player, by the way. But that's um, not as much fun, though, to to do it against. Like, Jack Peterson uh, would, be a, would be a fun guy to heckle. Well, I yeah, mean. because he's he's fat. I mean, like, he, he does not look <laughs> like an athlete. Like, I think that I could probably run, like, more miles than Jack Peterson on a treadmill right now. Like, Jack wow. Peterson's just getting fat on crab in, in San Francisco. Like he's he he's a tubby piece of shit, but at the same time he owns the Brewers. You're, but you're so that's interesting. So you would talk shit to the guys that like actually like are worth talking shit to that you know would get a rise out of them. Yeah, I feel like it's more 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 value there, more more yeah. bang for your buck. You know, he also strikes out six times as much as he homers. Yeah, so. Jay Bruce, he's literally Jay um, Bruce. He's Jay Bruce. I yeah, mean, he is. <laughs> um, so the fat Jay Bruce. <laughs> yeah, fat Jay Bruce. I love that. Um, also, too, like I, I don't think Jack can climb up a wall like Max, Max Straw, and be like, "Hit me, motherfucker! Hit me!" That was great. I don't know if you saw that. Miles Straw. Was it Miles? No, I thought it was I've, Max. Miles, whatever. Miles, yeah. Still yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. Not not a great not a great look for Yankees fans, but um, that's, new, that's New York for you. New oh, York yeah. scumbags. Oh yeah. That, oh yeah. Tommy Cheeseball's out there throwing throwing trash at, in the stadium and, and things like that. But uh to get back to the Brewers, I do agree with you. I, I would like to see them. I, I think the Atlanta series next weekend is a big one. Like that's a that's one you mark, right? You play Atlanta. New York's on the schedule here in the first half. San Diego is there twice. Uh, my boys from Divine Sports Gospel um, might have to get them on the pod, talk a little Padres, Brewers. Um, you have Philadelphia again. Um, maybe they're turning the corner. A lot of St. Louis, Toronto. You're going to get tested. I mean, there are going to be opportunities. And, and then you end the – first half with a trip out to San Francisco. And so we'll see. And we'll a long way to go, man. But yeah, I, I'm excited and I think I think the Brewers uh are definitely giving us something at least to start the year. So look looking forward to that. And as we close it out tonight, we have the NFL draft team tonight. Who knows what the Packers will do? I think that this is uh, and everyone's saying it, and I think because they're selling it, because people, the attention isn't really there. This is a very, very unpredictable draft. I don't know how this is going to go. I, I really have no idea. I think that it could go in a hundred different ways, and I wouldn't be surprised. And I guess that would be my, I've given a lot of final thoughts on the draft to Packer fans, but that would be my like kind of, what you should go in is expect the unexpected and just ride the wave and know that there could be a lot of things that happen in this draft. Yeah. And we talked last week about kind of, we did our PSA and I feel like that has, you know, a lot of that stuff that we warned people on it has happened. I mean, there's been a couple of names that I feel like I have yet to have heard and I've admittedly, not done a ton of draft research, but 
um, that are that are creeping into. I mean, I've heard of Trayvon Walker, but now it sounds like he might be the number one pick. I mean, that's that's crazy. Like, and he was like a bottom of the first round guy like a month ago. Look, and, man, Murph, Murph and I talked about Trayvon Walker to the Packers and in the draft manifesto pod we did three weeks ago, Murph did mention like Trayvon Walker, but he probably won't be there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's crazy, right? Like it is, it's, it's nuts. And I wonder really how much she's taking him because he hates Jim Harb. Trent Baalke hates Jim Harbaugh's guts and doesn't want to draft a Michigan guy. Doesn't want to draft a Harbaugh guy, with it, which if that is true, that is an all-time bad move, and he should be fired immediately. Well, I think Trent Baalke should have been fired already. Oh, I know. I know. But, man, they are drafting a project at number one. That doesn't, that doesn't usually seem, seem to always work out um, because that, that, that could be bad. And Especially I if think, you're like – some of these teams, it's like – Look, Jaguars, you know, you get Etienne back. Trevor Lawrence gets gets another year. Maybe you can – He's I, I like the Doug Peterson hire um, mm-hmm. for Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, just why do you got to do something stupid? Like, I go back to, like, the Minnesota Timberwolves with the Anthony Edwards draft, and that was also another draft where it was, like, kind of – you don't know what's going to happen. There wasn't, like, a clear-cut number one per se. But it's, like, just take the guy who, like – is the, the sure thing for once some of these like sort of yeah. inept franchises it's like just just don't overthink yourself here take who you should and be done with it and um i don't know i feel like aiden hutchinson would is the more of the sure thing now i've kind of wanted aiden hutchinson to go to the lions another inept franchise but at least that's a guy that they can sell to their fan base i mean he's a hometown guy i'm kind of rooted for that a little bit and um, not that I know any Lions fans or anything, but it, it just, you know, it'd be nice to see. Um, and I mean, if you're going to take a project, why not take Thib- Thibodeau? Right. Well, and I said this, like I said this on yesterday's pod, but I was like, if the Lions end up with Aiden Hutchinson and Desmond Ritter, like then you have to kind of take them seriously as the years go on. Right. And as they build, but you're right. If you're the Jaguars, why not at least take somebody who's had production? Like, and Thibodeau is an interesting dude. Like he's, he's a guy you could sell. Like you could definitely sell Thibodeau. I don't know a lot about Trayvon Walker. I don't, again, like, I feel like you have to consider that when you're drafting in the top, top picks, because those are, that's what you're bringing fans in to watch, right? You're bringing them in to watch this next guy. And you're not bringing them in to watch a project and like, okay, Trayvon Walker, two years. It feels very hinky ish, right? Like it feels kind of Mark Bell Fultz to to use another basketball comparison. Like that's kind of what this feels like to me. Yeah. It's like, you're not, you're not trying to win. I mean, like, or, or what they could do is go offensive line. Yeah. Why don't draft, why not draft Evan Neal or Iki Anua and, build around that offense. I know they just signed Cam Robinson to an extension, but like they, you can still use offensive linemen. I mean, they they don't, it's not a sport where you're just deep in offensive line play. You, you already signed Brandon Sheriff, the former uh, Washington commander. Like you, you'll have a pretty good line. If you were to add like a, a new or 
or Evan Neal. Like that would be a huge coup for you guys for the Jaguars. So I don't know, man. It's crazy. Um, I I am just going to be happy. I won't say I'll be happy with anything the Packers do. That's like careful what I, what you wish for. But I I know that I might have to be spin zoning, not drafting a wide receiver. I am mentally preparing for that. And if I do, um, you know, it'll be a good show. It'll be a fun show. I'll have a few beers. Going to have takeout. We're going to have a good time. You know, a little draft party at the house. Still living the single life for another day. So, uh, yeah, it's good. It should be, should be fun and definitely looking forward to seeing what the Packers do and I don't, I don't think I'd, I don't think I'd freak out if if they don't get a receiver at night one. Totally agree. Um, but by night two, I think that should be, that should be a time. Yeah. I, I would, I would prefer they, they do come away with a receiver of some kind, uh, night one, I suppose, but I guess it's not total meltdown if they don't, it's just, that's such a glaring need that man. Yeah. And the nice, the nice thing about it is, is like, we'll hear the fans for a fucking day and then that's it. Right. Like they'll bitch about it for a day and then it will completely dissolve by the next day. I will also say that, and and it's just brought my Packer ears like perked up. Todd McShay was on with part of my take today and McShay said that this is the best third and fourth round that he might have he, he has ever seen. He's like, nobody cares about it because it's day three, but because all these guys came back because of COVID, like the depth of this draft is extremely deep. So I would not yeah. be surprised. If the Packers, That's actually a really interesting point um, I, with that. I will not be surprised. If the Packers trade out one of their first picks. And I, oh, no. I don't, I actually don't expect the Packers to draft twice tomorrow. I think they trade out of 28 and get more picks for the second and third round. True. What what would you say the likelihood is that they that they take 22 and 28 and try to get up to like 16 or 18? It's a good question. I um I think I think it's probable. I mean, I saw one reporter say the Packers are looking to move up, but it was one reporter who I don't really trust. Um Jason Lockenfora, that guy's a hack. Um I'll say his name. Um, he, I, so I just, I don't know. He's just a douchebag. And I, so maybe they do, um, maybe they move up. I think it'll really, again, depend on how that draft breaks, right? If quarterbacks are taken early, then that actually bolds well for the receivers. But if Jamison Williams and Chris Olave go at 10 and 11, man, I don't know. I don't know. Do you make a move for Garrett Wilson up at 13 with the Houston Texans. And you look at that and Houston's Houston needs picks. They need to rebuild that roster. Is that an opportunity? Um, it's a lot to give up though, but to the point of it's a deep draft, maybe you're able to get one of Houston's third or fourth rounders because of that. So we'll see. Um, I think it, it just all depends on how quick they go, but yeah, if London Williams and Alave and Wilson all go in the first 15. It's going to get really, it's going to get kind of scary hours and we'll just kind of see what the Packers are made of. What if the Vikings took like Chris Alave? Uh, it's KMS time, Mitch. Um, no, uh, it's fine. I mean, it sucks, but 
I, I, I'll put it That'd be like two out of two out of three drafts where the Vikings took a receiver that Packer yeah, fans wanted. It'd be really, it'd be really interesting. I, I will say this: I would rather the Vikings take Chris Olave than take Kyle Hamilton or Derek Stingley. Like they need help yeah. in the secondary, and if they got either of those guys, those are two guys that I think will be legitimate All-Pro players out of this draft. Like if I had a big board and I'm like, here are the guys I would draft just based on how I think their NFL careers are going to go. I would probably, this is uh, very on the fly, but I would probably go Evan Neal, um, Hamilton, Stingley, uh, Icky from NC state, Hutchinson, maybe. Um, I think that would kind of be my order, honestly. I could keep going, but that, like, I think very highly of both Stingley and Hamilton. I think they're two of the best players in the draft. And so if the Vikings got either of those, I would be pretty disappointed. But I don't think they'll draft Hamilton because they have Harrison Smith. But I would argue that you figure out a way to play both. And then you can just flip Harrison Smith or move Harrison Smith to something else. I think Harrison Smith's kind of overrated in my opinion. Uh, But he just, I think, gets a lot of attention because he's white. It happens. Yeah, that's that's possibly true. Any other um, any other questions? Chris Olave getting the Bears moving up to trade for Chris Olave would also be a disaster. Um, that would suck. I don't think they have the draft capital to do it, but that would fucking suck. Yeah, I mean, how would they? Didn't they kind of blow all their right? Yeah, they blew all their, their best assets right. to get Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean. They thought they were going to be a lot better than they were. The fact that they could have the seventh pick right now and probably draft whichever wide receiver they want is you have to wonder, like if we're doing a Chicago bears podcast today, are we wondering, like, was it really worth it? Was the juice really worth the squeeze? We don't know yet. I mean, Justin Fields still is the way to go, but like, I wasn't that impressed with Justin Fields. I think I said, in Hawaii shit talking in a car up to the North shore saying I'd rather have Jordan love than Justin Fields, which I got shit for, but I, I stand by that. And I, I'm not, I haven't been impressed with Justin Fields so far, but it's a long way to go. Not, you know, not ready to just call him a bust after one, one season. No, I, I would not, but I don't know. I last them to, to build around him properly. I don't know. No, I don't, because it's the Bears. Last, last thing, and then we can ride out of here. I don't expect Jordan Love to get traded, but I do think it's interesting that Charles Davis said uh, that Jordan Love would have a higher draft grade than any of these quarterbacks that are in this draft. That perked my ears up a little bit. I don't know if a team would go after that, but it's interesting, to say the least. Well, it doesn't hurt the Packers that – you know, it's a weak quarterback class. I'll say that. Yeah. I mean, I think Davis Mills is a dude. Like, I actually think Davis Mills is, could be good. But to that 13th pick again, could you trade the 28th and Jordan Love to move up to 13 to draft draft the wide receiver you wanted? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I, I, I probably, you know, like if I'm the Seahawks, I would think hard about Jordan Love. Yeah, I think the problem. I don't think the. I don't think the Packers want to give an NFC North ride, an NFC North, NFC team, an NFC North, NFC team Jordan Love, if possible. 
I think Atlanta is far, far enough away from being relevant that they'd feel comfortable with it. I think the Seahawks, I don't know. I don't know if they would give Seattle. I mean, it'd be interesting. Be fascinating to see how that ends up, but I, I don't think they would give Seattle Jordan love. Um, but who knows? I think the NFL this year has proven some unpredictable shit in the, uh, in it, this year more than really ever. So we'll see what happens. And the other cool yeah. thing about tomorrow, Mitch, is we have some really good fucking basketball on too. Like two, I think two really, or uh, one really good game in Philly, Toronto, and maybe good games with New Orleans and Phoenix, as well as uh, Dallas and Utah. And Utah. So I'm gonna best, best best believe dual screens tomorrow um, with both both things on because I think it's we have, it'll be an awesome night. Definitely a good night to. I wouldn't even recommend a bar just because I think everything will have the draft on and watch at home. Just do the two screens and enjoy it that way because I think that'll be a better viewing experience if you enjoy watching both, not like hearing Packer fans bitch about who they don't take. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It'll be, it's a it's an exciting night for sure, and yeah. we'll have to see how ESPN covers the draft this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very very depressing in 2020, along with everything else uh, at the time. Uh, I think it got a little better last year, and I'm sure it'll be it'll be like the goddamn Super Bowl with it being in Vegas this year. So, oh God! I mean, okay, they're so... gonna they're gonna have like probably go-go dancers and. So well, they're coming in on like fucking boats, man. They're like coming in oh on boats. God. So that that could easily something could fuck up there. We could have an NFL draft prop. Like, what if Travion Walker is seen at Spearmint Rhino at four o'clock in the morning today? Like just slapping asses and you know, doing the damn thing in Vegas. That would A be great. That would give me a ton of entertainment for the day. Somebody probably will do something. Oh, oh yeah. That is, yes, that is happening. I I will put Spearman Rhino as the favorite at one eight minus one eighty, um, with Sapphires at even, Treasures plus three hundred. Although, from experience, I know Treasures can get some people in the trouble. Um, not that I know a ton, but just just saying. Um, be careful there. A little PSA to, if there's any draft picks listening. Um, but yeah. Um, I would be awesome. I, I just give me all the fucking weirdness, man. I think that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping this is so fucking weird that nobody knows what's up from down. And after the draft, we're all like, what the fuck? That, that's kind of how I hope this goes on, on Thursday night. And I hope we come away with two picks that, that we're happy with. I really don't care what the fans think. Um, and, you know, less need like to say, fuck them picks. I like to say fuck them fans and fuck your draft grades because also I don't care about those either. Yeah, something crazy will happen because we didn't expect the Bears to trade up for Fields. Yeah. Uh, move up, what did they move up, one pick? No, they moved up like seven, I think, for Fields. Okay. We were at a yeah, – like, we went to the Do- yes, we Dodger game. You know, and we, had all, we were like, is Aaron Rodgers going to get traded? We're like all on our phones. <laughs> Had second row seats, like some of the best brewer seats I've ever had, honestly. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, that was fun. But, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens, man. Well, thanks for hopping on. Um, we'll be back yeah. next week. We'll have a lot of time to talk between game two and game three. 
sure that's when we'll podcast. So people who care, um, I'll be back tomorrow. We might try to get Murph in from, from Mexico Friday morning. So I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, there was some discussion about that. So I don't know if we're actually going to get to page Murph in or not. We'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Can't wait. Uh, you have a good weekend, everybody, and we'll uh, we'll see you for Buck Celtics next week on Tab of the Keg. Back there with Daily Tap tomorrow. Let's see you, everybody. Bye. Bye.